five common excuses that stop you from leaping. That's what we're going to be discussing today. On an earlier episode, we talked about taking the leap to being self-employed, but we haven't really dived into some excuses that you may be coming up with in your head that is stopping you from moving forward. Welcome to the Indie Parents. I'm Amy Belgart. I'm a blogger, business owner, and co-creator of The Indie Parent. And with me is my co-host, Desiree Fawn. Hello, Desiree. Hello. hello, hello. And we're so glad that you joined us today. You can learn more about our show and about us at theindieparent.com. You can subscribe there. Visit our Facebook group, which is a very active community of other indie parents. And if you're curious, what is an indie parent? Basically, we're just parents who work for ourselves, that are entrepreneurs, that our business owners, we have big ideas. We want a different lifestyle. Most of all, we just want a more flexible life so that we can spend more time with our kids. We are talking about excuses. And even as a business owner myself, I'm always coming up with excuses not to do something. It's true. And you got you to give yourself a good smack when you find yourself doing it. <laughs> we were the other day taking down some notes on what we felt was like the most common excuses that people come up with from, you know, when we're talking to people about our lifestyle and we're, we're, we're talking to them about, yeah, so I work from home and I'm a, a writer, I'm a blogger, and then I also own some other businesses. And they're like, wow, I would love to do that too. I, I see that you get to do these amazing things. You get to travel when you want to travel your, you know, your schedule's flexible. Um, how do I get into doing that? This is, you know, of course, probably the number one question that Desiree and I are asked all the time. How do I get started? How do I do that? And when we start telling them, well, the first thing I did was, you know, basically work for free for two years, um, building up a clientele, building up a network, a community, and learning about my trade, you know, all those things that you do when you're creating a new business. And then they sort of think, oh, well, I can't do that. And we're going to dissect all of the excuses that we hear in response to our answers. So, all right. So let's get started with the first excuse that we hear. Uh, one of the biggest ones, so I think we should tackle this first, is the excuse, I don't have any time or I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. So Amy, what's the first thing you say when someone says, Oh, I'd really love to be an indie parent or I'd really love to work for myself, but I don't have time. I say, and I think you and I discussed this the other day, if you really want to do something and you really are passionate about it, you will always be able to make the time to do it. Think about the time that you carve out to watch your favorite TV show or to go see a movie that you really, really have been dying to see. You always can create the time if you really want it bad enough. And yes, it's exhausting. And, you know, you may be getting little sleep, but man, if you want it, you will always make the time to make it happen. I think I see uh, the same sort of excuse coming up to people. Well, you know, I don't have the time because I work full time or because I do, you know, whatever it is that you do, you have children, you have so many things on your plate at once that it's hard to imagine taking on another item, even if that meant in the future, more freedom, which is, yeah. you know, something I have to say to myself all the time when things are really, really piling up, or even in the beginning when it was, 
when it was frustrating to think, okay, well, why the heck am I doing this? I don't have, you know, the time thing is something that we all struggle with, but it's being able to go ahead and say, you know what, there are these things in my life and so many of them need so much time. There are things that you can't shrug off. You know, you can't stop spending time with your children, or at least I wouldn't recommend it. That's right. why we do this. But I can stop watching television at night. And in fact, I don't watch television at night. Um, And that was, you know, one thing that just wasn't as important to me as spending time with my kids or working on my work. And I think there's a lot of people who would say, you know, like, well, that's my relaxation time. That's my this time. That's that's the only time I have to unwind. I promise you that if you're one of those people who right right now is working your 40 hour, nine to five, et cetera, job, and what you want to do is get out of that, it will be worth it in the end to suffer a little bit and use those evening hours after the kids are in bed to start building on that dream. Because the more you do that bit by bit by bit, even if you had an hour a night, half an hour a night to work on something that you were really, really passionate about, it's going to start to pay off. Mentally, you're going to you're going to start enjoying that time more, and you're not going to care that you didn't get to watch Downton Abbey that night. It's not going to be as big of a deal because you're going to see that bigger picture. And you know what? When you're working for yourself and you have that extra time, then then you can start watching Downton Abbey again. It's on Netflix. Right. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> it really is keeping your eye on on the prize, like thinking bigger picture. And really, if it, it if it truly is something that you are passionate about and it's not something that you're forcing yourself to be passionate about, it exactly. doesn't really feel like, oh, I've got to work two hours on my writing and I just hate it. Then you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, you, you, you get excited about, yes, I know I'm going to be tired tonight when I put the kids to bed and my spouse goes to bed, but I get to stay up and I get to like work on my website or whatever it is that you're working on and and the goal that you're trying to meet. It's, it shouldn't feel forced at all. You will feel tired. You will feel exhausted and you will think, oh, why did I stay up to midnight and then got up at 6am, you know, but it should feel a little good doing it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, even on those nights when I'm like, it's 2 a.m. and I shouldn't be mucking around on my website, I'm still, I would still rather be doing that than sitting in an office at 2 a.m. Yeah. doing paperwork. <laughs> right, right. So if you have the excuse, I don't have the time, it means nothing to me. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it because you can always carve out more time to exercise, you know, spend more time with the kids. Whatever it is, you you can't always do that, even if you do have a full-time job. And always think about the big picture and why you are doing it. What is the ultimate goal? That should be enough fuel for you to, to make those sacrifices along the way. Totally. And if, if right now you're listening to this and being like, oh, thanks, guys. Um, you just told me that my excuse is invalid and given yes. me no help. Here's what you need to do. Here's the actual step that you need to take if you really feel like you don't have enough time. Take a day, and during that day, every 15 minutes, I want you to write down what you just did for those 15 minutes. And then I want you to go back out and take out all of the crap that you didn't need to be doing. How much time did you just spend waiting through Facebook? Half an hour? Probably. Take that out. (laughs) That's half an hour to be working on your business. If you went to a cafe with a friend, yes, we all need that social time, but maybe for the next couple of weeks, you have to ditch it. 
Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that changes into a quick phone call. Maybe that changes into something else. Maybe that person's right. helping you work on your dream. Find ways to carve out. And I bet you'll find like two to three extra hours a day that you could have been working on something more productive. And oh, totally. we're all guilty yeah. of this. We all fluff mm-hmm. off and, you know, do not use our time wisely, but it's absolutely possible to find that time when you really want it. I I completely agree. And we you probably don't realize how much time you spend doing absolutely nothing until you mm-hmm. until you really stop and analyze it. Maybe even just closing out Facebook for a few days would be a mm-hmm. good thing. And you really and, and and really it's about making your time very intentional, which which yeah. as writers and business owners, we talk a lot about our our time is very we should be very protective over our time. And so what are you really spending your time doing? And a lot of it is just fluff. It really is. And you don't even realize it until yeah. until you really like Desiree said, you stop and you write down what was I just doing? You know, you could you get in this habit too of what you do every morning. Maybe every morning you just peruse Facebook and you don't even realize that you're doing it for 30 minutes or an hour. That's yeah. 30 minutes or an hour that you could be writing or coming up with your business plan or making contacts, getting on the phone. I mean, there's so much you can do in a short amount of time when you're really being intentional with your time. So that's that's number one excuse. I'm going to move on to number two, which is another one that most people may not actually admit, but is so true. And that is such and such, which you can enter whatever you want right here, makes me uncomfortable. So that could be yes. <laughs> public speaking makes me uncomfortable or networking or talking to people face-to-face makes me uncomfortable. Putting myself out there makes me uncomfortable. Um, self-promotion makes me uncomfortable. Self-promotion or maybe it's financial. Maybe the, you know it's uncomfortable to not know when your paycheck is coming next, which that's a valid reason to be yep. uncomfortable. I mean, I'm uncomfortable about that quite often. <laughs> but I... I see from a lot of people, they, they, they lack the self-confidence and that's not something that I can really tell you to just, Oh, just have it, you know, just, just have self-confidence. That's something that really, I think will come, you know, over time. I remember when I started blogging and I had been doing it for a year and I was trying to learn as much as I could. And of course, writing as much as I could. And I wanted to take that next step, which which led me to a conference. And I had never been to a conference before. I, you know, when I was a business owner before that, you know, I did eBay. I never had to go anywhere. I was always at home. And, you know, blogging kind of puts you at home behind a screen and you don't really see the people face to face. And so, and even though I was a very social outgoing person, I had been kind of out of that social, you know, work environment for a long time. And so I mm-hmm. still felt like in some ways I was an introvert because I hadn't done it in so long. And then I was doing it in this different dynamic that I never had before. You know, it was different from just working at a desk and then saying hi to people walking by at work. This was like you had to go and talk to people in order to to network and to just, you know, become a part of that community. And exactly. I was very excited, but I was very uncomfortable and I was very scared and nervous. And 
I was traveling by myself, which I had never done before. I had never traveled by myself, which is laughs. I laugh at that now because (laughs) I travel all the time by myself now and I love traveling by myself, but I wasn't a big traveler at all. And then I was going by myself and I was a nervous wreck. I remember my stomach was just aching and I was just, and it wasn't that I, I felt I don't know if it was a confidence thing. I think it was just, I was jumping into this, this something that I wasn't sure what the result was going to be. And I I didn't know exactly how I was going to talk to people. I mean, I didn't, I just, I was jumping into the unknown really. And I remember how scared I was. And of course, once I got there and got my groove on, oh my gosh, I loved it. Which is funny for me now, knowing you that you were ever... (laughs) uncomfortable with that that situation yeah well because it's not me to be awkward in that because I'm a very social person and the thing is is if I'm a very social person and it was uncomfortable for me I could just imagine what it would feel like if you were very introverted so I, I mean I would love to hear from you from from you know the first time you went to a conference and what was that like as someone who is an introvert um, the first conference that I ever went to was also the first time I'd ever left my um breastfeeding child at home. <laughs> so it was the, the first time I ever I, right. So I was half petrified that the whole world would end. And I was half <laughs> so freaking excited to be away <laughs> because yeah. I hadn't like slept for more than four hours in several years. And so, I mean, that added a whole new layer of, I was excited to do it, but I was also like, I wanted to hide a little bit. Um, And that was a big step for me as well, because I did meet so many people. Again, this is in the whole blogging sphere. Um, This conference was actually the first time I met Amy face-to-face. This is in 2009, 2000. Yeah. Wait, 2011. I've gone too far back in time. (laughs) Um, But it was such a, it was really, really a good experience, even though I felt uncomfortable to start. And um, it was, it was something that I will absolutely never regret. And it was a big stepping stone for my whole sort of career as a blogger and a writer um, to get into that and to meet those people face to face. Because now these are the same people who I see years later at conferences that I always connect with. And um, it's, it's really cool to follow their journeys as well. But it's that, you know, not letting your discomforts um, put a limit on your success. I hate phone calls. Talking to someone on the phone is pretty much a nightmare for me. So when I have to do it, I have to, I just have to put on my game face and make it happen. And usually once I get into it, I'm doing a little bit better, but to start with like the idea of calling someone just about gives me a heart attack. When my phone rings, I usually don't answer it. It goes to voicemail (laughs) and I listen to it then. Like honestly, talking on the phone is not for me. Um, I can handle a Skype call, like a face to face much better. So that's one big thing that I struggle with. Um, Another one is, it sounds so silly, but this is my introverted self. It's just meeting totally new people and being on my own when I do it. Um, So if I have like a wingman, (laughs) I feel like I can handle it a bit bit better, but then that makes me feel like a bit of a baby. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really try to put myself into those situations. Like I went to a local Um, It's called Women Without Offices. So it's like a local networking group for 
people like us. It's a lot of indie parents in this group. And I went and I was the youngest person by about 10 years and I was horrified. And by the end of it, I had made like 10 new friends, new contacts, new people in the area. And I felt amazing. And I'm going back next week. So, I mean, awesome. that's something that I, it took me a while to make myself do it. Um, I feel like speaking that, is another yeah, oh, big yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. That Even I'm not a big with. fan of, I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty outgoing, but public speaking is still not totally comfortable for me. And it's something that I've got way, way, way better at to the point where now to push myself, I'm seeking it out, seeking out opportunities to talk to groups of people because every time I do it, I get better at it. And every Mm -hmm. time I do it, I get a good response from it. So it's not that I'm bad at it and I am, you know, put down when I do it. And that's what's terrifying. It's just, it's the five minutes before, you know, it's the walking up on the stage. It's the standing up at the meeting. It's that moment that's petrifying. But as soon as I start talking, then, you know, you, I'm usually the one trying to make the room laugh, trying to get everyone to have a good time. And that is a lot easier once you've started. Like you you just have to start. And the thing is, even if it's the most terrifying thing, if you've never spoken in public before or you've never done a cold call or you've never gone to a conference, you only have to do it first one time and then you've already done it. Then you're not new to it and it doesn't have to be as scary because you've already done it. So my advice in that is, you know, whatever it is, blank makes you uncomfortable, seek out opportunities to do blank. Seek out people who are good at blank and bug them to find out how they did it, how they got good at it, what stopped them in the beginning. Because I don't think everyone's born a fantastic public speaker, um, but there are some people who are far better at it than most. And that's one of those things that you have to do over and over again. And I, I really think that seeking out those opportunities is one good way to push you into getting better at them. I think most business owners know this, that if you're not from time to time feeling uncomfortable, then you're not, you're not upping your game. You're not exactly, you're stopping yourself from exploring other opportunities. We are, I'm always uncomfortable. I mean, there's, I mean, just this podcast, we didn't know what we were doing and it was a bit uncomfortable jumping in because we didn't, we'd never done this before, you know, it's, but I felt like that's exactly why I should have, I should be doing it. And if you're looking exactly. to raise your confidence level, that getting uncomfortable is, and, and then, and then pushing through it, even if you don't really do a good job at the end of it, I mean, say that you do a public speaking thing and you just fail, you're still building your confidence that you went and tried it. And now you have yeah. the opportunity to, to fine tune it and get better and to be good at anything, it just takes a ton of practice. So I'm sure by a year later, this podcast will be a whole lot better than it is right now because we have more confidence, because we've pushed through being uncomfortable. We have more practice. And and all of that, you know, it just ties in together. And you can't be stuck in your own uncomfortable feelings. Exactly. It, it's good to feel that. It really is. And it should feel a little bit exciting as well. And another thing is it is always worse thinking about it than when you're actually doing it. Like Desiree said, it's the five minutes before you actually start speaking. And then once you start speaking, you're like, oh, this is, this is not as big of a deal as I thought it would be. It always is that way. Right. Or, or like the minutes before you get a phone call and you're going to have to talk business and 
maybe you feel like, ah, this might be a little bit over my head. But then once you start talking and just being yourself, you realize it wasn't really that scary. And then you have like this confidence boost that you didn't back out. You didn't cower. You just push through. So don't ever let being uncomfortable stop you from achieving what it is that you want. Just don't. Exactly. Take that discomfort and lean into it. Find out the lean points that are it. really, really bugging you and just go. Just move forward. Um, head over to our um, Indie Parent Facebook group. And if there's something you're super uncomfortable with, tell us about it. Because I promise you there will be 30 people who are awesome at that thing you suck at. <laughs> and we will help you. <laughs> okay, so Desiree, number three. All right. Um, Number three, the number three excuse that we hear from people who are sort of resistant and making excuses for why they can't do the indie parent thing is, I'm afraid of what people will think. Mm. Amy, were you afraid of what people would think when you decided that your job title was blogger? You know, yes and no, because no in that I really and I say this because I really mean it, I have really never cared what people think of my lifestyle or the way I dress or the way I look or what I do. I've, I've always been sort of a rebel in that way in that I kind of seek out the different lifestyle. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. being different. And so I thought it was kind of cool to say, yeah, I'm a blogger. And then people are like, what is that? Because most people don't know what it is. What is that? Yeah. And But in some ways, I especially with some family members, I kind of avoided telling them. And so it makes me wonder, maybe I did worry, or maybe I just didn't feel like explaining it and then trying to like buy them into why that was a good choice for me. Yeah. So, um, so I guess in some ways I was on both sides of the coin. I don't know. I mean, do you think that that's something that goes through a lot of people's minds? They, Will people think I'm irresponsible if I work for myself? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe even their spouse. What will they think? Will they think less of me? Will they think that I'm not contributing? I'm, I'm sure that that's, I mean, I, I was blessed in that I had a, a spouse who also understands the indie parent lifestyle and practices it himself. But I could see how, because it's not a traditional way to to live. It's not a traditional business. So I can see how people would see that as irresponsible. When I, I mean, here's my biggest moment of worrying what people would think is years ago when I bought my, I owned a clothing store. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) When I bought the store, I was really excited about it. And a year later, when I decided that I absolutely freaking hated it, I was so petrified at what people would think when I closed the doors and walked away. Mm. What would that say about me? What would that say about my life? What was I admitting? What was I, you know, it just felt icky. But once I made that decision, I, I didn't care at all. I was like... I am so much happier in this very moment of making the decision of locking the door behind me that I knew that it had to be right or it wouldn't have felt that good. Um, And it was still stressful and it's still hard to close a store. But knowing that, you know, I had that weight, it was an actual weight that had been lifted from me. And I knew that I could move forward and do my own thing. And 
at that time, I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do other than I was going back to my sort of blogging roots and I was going to make that happen. And, um, you know, Amy probably got a text message from me that said, so who needs a blog? (laughs) 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 Because, you know, in those first months, it was really tight. And, you know, in the last two years before my partner made the leap to the uh, indie parent lifestyle, we we had some tough times and it was hard for him. Um, and we talked about this the other day. It was hard for him knowing that he was going to work, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week doing a job that he wasn't loving anymore. And that mm-hmm. I got to stay home and do something that I really loved. And it absolutely caused tension between us. And it wasn't right. even that he didn't want me doing what I loved. It was that he wasn't able to at that time. And it was, it was tense. That's, that's the best, probably the best word for it. Um, and we had some rough moments and you know what, I think that that has made us stronger in our, you know, decision to do this business together now. Um, and has sort of buffered him and sort of built up, you know, him knowing how much he would love it once he quit his job. Um, and now that he has, and we're, you know, working together on it, uh, life is about 4,000% happier um, because, yeah. you know, I'm not having to see him miserable about his work every day. And, you know, in his case, he got to see the transformation of me going from making nothing when I closed the store to making a livable income and one that he could say goodbye to his job and join me. Um, so, you know, the, the fear of what people think really depends on, you know, being confident enough in yourself and knowing that often the, um, the negativity that can come from people around you, like your family or your spouse or whatever is, and this probably sounds arrogant to say, can be jealousy and it can be um, a frustration that that's not something they feel they're able to do, or it's just, it's a fear because they don't understand it. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and, and it can cause some tension. So I think you have to be open to the conversation that, you know, I have chosen a lifestyle that might not mesh what, what you think a mom should be doing or a dad should be doing and, you know, finding ways to explain it in a way that you don't have to defend your choices all the time, but in a way that, you know, shows someone like, look, I'm doing what I love and that shouldn't, it shouldn't matter to you that I'm not, you know, doing the normal thing. Yeah. I I think that you don't need to defend it at all. You can just say, oh, this is perfect for me. And I think that your presence, if you're truly happy and you're loving it, will speak volumes. Absolutely. And hopefully the doors that open and people can see, oh, wow, well, she gets to do this amazing thing or she gets to travel or whatever it is, that will speak for itself. You don't need to go through all the reasons why it's a good choice for you. But like Desiree said, most of that reaction that you get, if it's negative, is coming from something that's a personal issue with them. It's not you. Of course, I just don't. I really honestly don't care what people think of me. <laughs> of course, we don't want our family that we see all the time to think less of us and this and that. But again, if you are the positive and if you are the light in the room, then that's enough. That's enough for them to know that you're perfectly fine. You're okay. Well, all you have to do is go out there and 
kick butt and be successful and you'll show them the proof is in the pudding. They will see your success and be like, maybe I want that for myself now. Um, She's not so nuts after all. Yeah. Maybe there's something to this indie parent (laughs) insanity. I don't know. Okay. So we talked about three excuses. I'm moving on to number four. This is a big one. Fear of failure. And let me tell you, (laughs) there is a lot of failure that comes along with business or really trying anything new. And really, Mm -hmm. it's like the universe is always working against you because there's always going to be a lot of pushback on whatever it is that you're creating. And you could choose to give in to that pushback or keep pushing through and learning from it. I have to tell you, I fail once a week, twice a week at something. It could, it could just be failure of parenting, you know, or whatever. And then that kind of impacts everything else, but you will try business ideas that just don't work. Your overall passion, you know, can always stay the same, but the way you go about it may, may crash and burn. And that's a normal thing that we should go through. That's like we've said a million times before, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we are able to perfect our skills and our trade and our talents. So this is just one example. And trust me, I have I have so many failures now that I don't even know if I recognize them as failures. I just think of like, oh, that didn't work. Let's move on. And I don't- It's a little blip. <laughs> it's a little blip. It, but, but I see so many- business owners who are just brilliant and smart and they get so caught up in the smallest of little failures. I can remember once when I started Moms Work Media, which is a social media marketing agency for, for mom bloggers and dad bloggers. And I, it was one of my very first campaigns and I was in way over my head, but as a smart entrepreneur, I didn't let anyone know that. And I was on this call discussing the logistics of this campaign that I was doing blogger outreach for, and they were asking me questions that I was not prepared to answer. They were asking me like, so what is the potential reach of this group of bloggers? I had no idea. They were asking me, so, um, you know, how many click-throughs do you expect each blogger to provide for whatever it is that we were promoting? I had no idea. They were using lingo that I wasn't familiar with because I, I didn't go to school for marketing. I, did, I didn't even go to school for business. I am totally self-taught. I've just been scrappy all my life and, you know, will learn as much as I can about whatever it is that I'm doing at the time and whatever my new passion is. But they, you know, I was, I was in a meeting with people who had, you know, gone to business school and they were in this marketing world. And I have to tell you that I crashed and burned on that call so bad. And, <laughs> but I will say I did not lose the client and I did not lose the business. And I tried to like improvise my way through and saying that, let me get that for you. Let me collect that. But I, in the inside, I was panicking totally panicking. And this was, and it was because this was new territory for me. I wasn't experienced. I didn't have practice. My confidence level was somewhat low because I hadn't gotten that practice to push my way through. I was very uncomfortable, like we talked about earlier, but yet I have to say that call was pretty much a fail. 
And that's just one example. And it's not the only call that I've failed on. But I needed to do that. I needed to see, oh man, I need to learn a lot more about what ROI means and all this terminology means. And exactly. I need to be prepared going into a phone call more so. I can't wing it every time or I'm going to lose them because they're not going to think that I'm taking it serious enough or that I know what I'm doing. And yeah. I really, at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying. I thought I did, but there was so much more to learn. So that's just that's just one example and, and now when I see something doesn't work, I just, like I said, I just kind of say, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's move on. It could be a new blog post series on the blog that I think, oh, everyone's going to love this and consume this. Or it could be a new Facebook strategy on how I'm going to build up my engagement. And then I realize, oh, well, that doesn't work at all. That's gets keep me moving forward. But I see so many people who's, who, who hit those roadblocks and they're just like, oh, forget it. Not. I'm not writing a blog post ever again. I'm never doing a series again. They just throw their hands up in the air and they're just pre pretty much quitting. And I have to say, it's just, there's no way to move forward doing, doing that and having that mindset. You will just be stuck. And then you become like, I don't know, you get caught up in this self-pity. And we talked about this last week when you're in a rut you know, yep. those things happen and, and that will put you in a rut if you get so hung up on every single roadblock along the way. And I think that when you fail and when you find those um, those points that you really need to improve on, is that not a bit of a blessing too? I mean, if Amy never knew that she needed to know those terms that came up in the mm -hmm. meeting, then she never would have gone and sought them out and wouldn't be, you know, where she is now. Like she, you wouldn't have sought out that information because you never knew you needed it. And I think that when it comes to the, the grand scheme of having this fear of failure, um, we would never do anything if you weren't, if you weren't afraid of failure. Would I be a mom if I was afraid of failing at being a mom? Of course, I'm afraid of failing and being a mom. We all are. Right. We all have right. those moments where we're like, well, I totally sucked right now. My kid's crying. I yelled. Dinner's burned. The end. Um, but they, we move forward. You can't never do anything. You'd never leave your house. You'd be one of those crazy people with your stacks of newspapers and your 20 cats. The end. You cannot be afraid to fail at everything. You will never get anywhere. And you will especially never get anywhere on your own doing the indie business work that you need to do to get where you want to be. Um, if I was afraid to put out, you know, a personal story on site, I would never get the feedback that I needed. If I was afraid to approach a client because I thought I wasn't good enough, well, then I'm never going to get that client because I've, I've already put a roadblock up. If I'm sending a quote to a client or an estimate for some work that I'm doing, if I'm afraid that they're going to say no to a big number, then I'm going to shortchange myself and I'm going to end up regretting doing the work mm -hmm. and being resentful because I wasn't paid enough because I was too afraid that they'd say no to ask for what I was worth. Again, it's that uncomfortable feeling that you have to lean into. You can't, you cannot be afraid of failure. I think that go get a piece of paper, <laughs> write failure is a part of the process and put it right in front of you where you see it every day. And every time you fail, write down the lesson that you learned. You start to, yeah. I, I want a big freaking failure journal <laughs> full of yeah, your because ideas. The, yeah, because you, you will fail. You will. And you should. And 
that's not a negative thing. I mean, especially if you're taking this big risk to create a business and then right off the bat, you have some kind of failure. Mm-hmm. People will lose steam and lose their confidence level. And you have to know that you have to go through those things. You, It's necessary. It's if, if everything just happened swimmingly, you wouldn't even appreciate the opportunities that come your way because you just be like, ah, you know, it's, you just, you need to go through those, those growing pains and those, those dips in order to really enjoy the highs and really be proud of the highs. Cause you're like, oh, I've worked so hard for this, you know, and I went through so many challenges getting there and then look where I, look where I got, you know? So it's, it's just, it all goes hand in hand, embrace it. All right. Moving on to the fifth final excuse and the one that really, really trips people up. I don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> this yes. is the big one. The this big is, one. This is the one that stops people. And I think the biggest thing I would have to say about I don't have any money is what are your expenses really when you're mm-hmm. in the planning idea learning phase of whatever it is that you're going to be doing next. And we never said go out tomorrow and open the bakery you always wanted to open. No, you have some mental work to do first and that costs nothing but time. And we already settled the time issue. You don't have to put a ton of money into the next thing you want to do. You have to put a ton of brain work into it first Mm -hmm. and it's moving from there. So To Mm -hmm. get started, it's not about the money. It's about the time and it's about making those decisions. I mean, what did it cost me to open SoFa and Lifestyle to begin with? Nothing, because it was hosted for free and Mm -hmm. I just went with it. You know, there's there's so many ways to get started with so little money. Yes. What about you, Amy? Yeah, I think that I, I see this a lot. Say somebody wants to you know, they have a blog and they wanted to start creating videos. So they think, oh, well, if this is the next step in my business, I've got to buy a top of the line video camera or DSLR. I've got to buy the best lenses. I've got to have a set, you know, and lighting and and all of this. And the thing is, you don't need to do that, especially if you cannot afford to do that. And it's not going to necessarily make your content better because it's always going to be about the content, not the environment. I mean, you see YouTube videos that go viral that have the crappiest quality of video because whatever the content is there is resonating. And that that will always be noticed first. And of course, I love a a nice website design. I love a nice camera, but you don't have to do those things when you're first starting out, especially if it will jeopardize your, your family budget. You should always look at it as a slow progression up to whatever the top of the line equipment is, because by then you're able to afford it. And you're right. Like time is, is mostly what you're going to be investing. I would never invest a ton of money into any business venture right from the bat, unless I had money to burn. And most of us don't. I mean, when Ryan started his studio, that was a career path that he needed equipment. You cannot record 
a band without a microphone. You can't just like, oh, I just I'm going to just will and hope that a microphone's going to, you know, appear. I mean, he needed equipment. And he, of course, he wanted the top of the line equipment. He wanted brand new mics and a brand new mixer and all those things, a brand new computer. Well, we couldn't afford to do those things. And it didn't make sense to go in into a ton of debt and charge uh, you know, thousands of dollars right off the bat to be in, you know, this financial mess that would make it even more stressful for him to work for himself. We had exactly. to some things. We had to buy used equipment. I remember he bought a whole bunch of equipment from a family member who was also doing music in his home. And we like made monthly payments. I mean, you have to sometimes get really creative on whatever you need to start your business and don't overthink it. Like, well, if I'm going to be competitive, I've got to, I've got to be right here up here where these people that have been doing it for years are. And that's just, it won't work that way. It's a slow progression and you usually and need less didn't start there. No, those people didn't start there. They started with just a few pieces of used equipment or very little equipment. And then they slowly worked their way, way up. That's, that's part of, this is part of the cycle. That's part of how, of how you grow and, and build something that's really good. So I would say, yeah, going to Go the video stuff, like for, for that as an example, you know, you watch like Marie Forleo or something and her videos are gorgeous because she's got the set and the, you know, mm-hmm. the wherewithal to do that, but they didn't start like that. Honestly, if I would rather listen to your awesome message and your inspirational talk or your whatever you're trying to teach me how to do with you holding your iPhone in front of you mm-hmm. than you know, like and filming selfie style and the audio is crap rather than listening to something super, super boring and not entertaining and not engaging and useless. But your set was a $50,000, you know, building and you had the all the fancy cameras and the lighting and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it looks good. If the message is nothing, you need right. the content. You need that to happen first. You know, um, a big blogger, Joanna Goddard, who does A Cup of Joe, was on Blogspot until about two months ago. And for the first, like, seven years of her blogging, she had, like, the basic theme that I don't even think was changed from the original one you get with when you sign up with Blogspot. And she did phenomenal work. And she probably has more followers than Amy and I combined. (laughs) But... She, you know, they, that just goes to show that if the quality is there, that the people will come. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, you know, it's the it's the message. It's the you, especially in the indie parent industry, I guess we could call it. They're buying into you. They're not buying into your corporate whatever it is. You're not, you know, a car dealership or, or your computer or your camera. Yeah. And you stress yourself out, putting yourself in debt for all the fancy things if you don't need them. Um, I would much rather start my business from $0 than minus Mm -hmm. $5,000 because then you're immediately stressed and you can't do the work that you love because you're working backwards. So just don't do that to yourself. Find a way to use what you have and move forward. 
All right, so this has probably been one of our longest episodes, but we hear so many excuses for people who you can tell want to do the indie parent thing, but just can't get there. They've got a few hurdles. So I'm so glad that we could talk about these five top ones that we hear all the time. And I, I really hope that you'll come over to our Facebook group. You can find a link to it at theindieparent.com. Come over to the Facebook group. Let's talk about your excuses. Let's talk about excuses that you hear and let's help each other and help those people to get to where they want to be. I hope you'll join us over on our Twitter and Instagram at The Indie Parent. And we want to see you over on Twitter and Facebook at The Indie Parent and use the hashtag Indie Parent to show us what you're doing. What does your indie lifestyle look like? What are you doing each day? Show us the picture of you working on the laptop while you're feeding your kids with the other hand. We want it. Well, you need someone else to take that picture, but you know what I mean. We want to see your indie parent lifestyle. Um, Check out the hashtag, share your images, and we will see you next week. You can always find us on Blog Talk Radio or at theindieparent.com Tuesday nights at nine. And uh, feel free to download this, take it with you when you go running, which probably we could all do more of. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.